0: Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Luke, Luke chapter fourteen. I'll be reading verses fifteen to verse twenty-four. Here Jesus talks about the parable of the great feast. And it said in verse fifteen, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Now, when one of those who had sat at the table with him heard these things, he said. Blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Verse 16. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper, and invited many, and, and sent his servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, Well, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask that you have me excuse. And another said, I have bought five yokes of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to excuse me. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and to the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lamb and the blind. Verse 22, and the servant said, master, it is done as you commanded. And still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of these men's who were invited shall taste my supper. Amen. The Bible often used physical feasting to illustrate the spiritual things that we need to enjoy, things that our soul needs. And the Bible often depicts God as, as provided all of these things for us, a bounteous feast of good things, James 1 verse 17. It reminds us that we are hungry, and that we are thirsty, and that we are unnery souls. And God is able to provide all the things that we need for the soul. Jesus sometimes talked about the water of life for those who are thirsty. John 4, verse 10 and verse 14. But he often also talked about the bread of life to those who are hungry, John six, verse thirty-five and verse forty eight. And in first Peter two and verse two, we read these words. As newborn babes, we are to desire the pure milk of the word. Why? That we may grow up thereby. So the Bible talks about physical feasts in terms of our spiritual needs. We need spiritual nourishment, and God is able to provide those things for us. But how shall we find them? How shall we obtain them? And we can notice some similarities between hosts and hostesses today and the great things that we need for our soul's salvation. There are some lessons that we can learn by observing some of those differences. And I'd like to share some of these similarities with you this morning. Number one, it is not proper for someone to invite himself or crash the party, as we will use the term today. If someone was having a feast, then it would not be proper for someone who had not been invited to simply invite himself. A few years ago, I read the story of a preacher who showed up at the door one evening of a home when the family was just sitting down to eat. The lady came to the door, was a bit embarrassed, and she said, well, I thought I asked you to come after supper. The preacher said, that's what I came after. That was a pun, play on words. For someone to just invite himself, that would not be considered good manners. It's not proper, you see. We don't have to ask God to invite us to his feast, but has already been done, because he invites all of us. John 3, and verse 16. Again, Jonathan, appreciate you using that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever includes everybody. In Matthew chapter 11 verse 28, our Lord said these words, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden," And he said, and I will give you rest. Then in Revelation 22 and verse 17, we read these words, and the spirit and the bride Says, come, and let him who hears come. Whoever desires, let him take up the water of life freely. So the Lord's invitation is extended, is extended to everyone. Now think how tragic it would be for the Lord to provide a bounteous feast and tell some of us, "You're not invited. You can't come and partake of my feast." Now, that would be a tragic thing. And yet, that's the essence of a doctrine, a doctrine that says God has chosen some people to be the elect and some people to be the non-elect. That means that some can come and partake of the feast and that others are not invited. A young man was talking with a denominational preacher on one occasion because he was concerned. For his soul. The preacher told him, Now God has selected some to be the elect or the saved and some to be the lost. In other words, that doctrine once saved, always saved. Now, a few days later, the preacher found that young man in the pool hall drinking and gambling and he rebuked him for it. And the young man said, Well, I'm a bit confused. You told me that some are chosen to be the elect and some the non-elect, and if you're chosen to be among the elect, and God has given you an experience to indicate it, you can't be lost. So I figured that it doesn't matter how I lived if I can't be lost. You know, the young man was right in his reasoning if that doctrine was correct. But if that doctrine was correct, then it really wouldn't matter how you lived. If you are chosen to be among the elect, and that number cannot be altered in any way. But the truth is, the truth is this. This doctrine is not correct. It is false. God has not chosen some to be the elect and some to be the non-elect, but everyone is invited. God has provided a feast for everyone, and he invites everyone to partake of it. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you lived or how deep into sin you have gone. God loves you. 1 John 4 and verse 10. And he invites you to come to that feast. All things are ready. Come to the feast. God's invitation is extended to all. Number two. It is not proper to ignore an invitation. Suppose someone was having a feast and invite you to come, and suppose you say, okay, well, I go. But then you just ignore the invitation. You ignore the opportunity to attend that feast. When Dr. George Benson became president of Harlem College back in 1936, he had decided to invite some of the inhabitants of Searcy, Arkansas, to come to a meal so that he could tell them about his plans and his goals that he had for Harding College. They made elaborate plans, and they made elaborate preparations, and on the night the dinner was to be held, not one soul, not one soul from the community showed up for that. Now, how would that make you feel if you was a host or hostess? Your preparation had been made, and then no one showed up. That just isn't good manners, is it? Dr. Benson was a bit upset and for a time discouraged, you see. But now think think about this feast, this feast which God has invited all of us. What does God think of us when He invites all of us to come to His feast and we just ignore the invitation? I am persuaded that every time we offer the invitation of the Lord here at Forest Park, there are those who ought to respond to it. There are those who ought to accept his invitation. They are invited, Matthew 22, 9. God has made great preparations, John 3, 16. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. God has provided everything we need for our soul's salvation. Ephesians one and verse three and there are those who reject that invitation. I can imagine how the Lord felt in Matthew twenty three and verse thirty seven, where he says, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to her. How often I want to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks on her wings. But you were not willing. You could see the tears of the Lord falling down his cheeks because he was so interested and so concerned about the spiritual welfare of these people. But they rejected the invitation. How the Lord must feel when we sing the invitation song from time to time and those who ought to respond and those who need to respond just ignore the invitation. Don't ignore the invitation. All things are ready. Come to the feast. I rejoice when I hear about Gaden and Brox putting on Christ. Yes, joy. If you're parents of these two young gentlemen, I commend you. You're doing well. Now from our scripture reading in Luke chapter 14, verse 15 to verse 24. Jesus gives us a parable of the great banquet. A banquet of a man who had a feast, and the custom was to invite folks, and they would accept the invitation, and then the host would prepare a meal. And when the meal was ready, he would then send out his servants to those who had been invited, and say, all things are ready. Come to the feast. And when he had prepared the meal and sent his servant out to say, the steaks are ready, the potatoes are done, the bread is ready, come to the feast. But then one of them said, well, well, I have bought some ground and I need to go see it. Another said, I have brought five yolks of oxen and I need to go test them. And another said, I have married a wife. And therefore, I cannot come. Now, you can easily see that these are just excuses. They were not honest reasons, you see. You don't buy ground without first going to see it. You don't buy five yokes of oxen without first testing them. And why couldn't you come? Because you married a wife. You can still come, you see. But those are just excuses. And Jesus is illustrating the fact that there are some folks who are invited to his feast who make flimsy excuses. Now, many people reject Jesus' simple, simple excuses that are no real or that are any more reasonable than what we just read. Now, it is doubtful that some folks believe their own excuses. But why do you say that, Tony? I say that because they don't let those same excuses to keep them from doing other things that they want to do example many of us hear this there are those who say well i'm not going to become a christian because there are hypocrites in the church i've heard that many times now there are hypocrites in the business world but they don't keep them from engaging in business you see there are hypocrites at ball games but they don't keep them from going to ball games you see or there may be someone who say, well, Ratonna, my relative might object to it, and so I'm not going to become a member of the New Testament church. But you know, they don't let their excuses keep them from doing other things that they want to do. Now, I was reading a, an excuse a mother used to a teacher concerning the absence of her son from school. This was in the Ann Land, hire And she said this, Please excuse Johnny from school today. I forgot to get him up this morning. And I didn't find him until I was making the bed. Now there are many excuses offered like that. Many excuses. Men are teachers. And we hear many of them. But God heard all of them in regard to our failure to respond to his invitation. When we accept the Lord's invitation to his feast, we want to be sure that you don't misunderstand his conditions. You want to make sure you understand them. Now there are two things you need to remember here. Number one, do not accept conditions that the Lord did not make. When you think about accepting the Lord's invitation, you need to know that there are some folks who will give you condition to meet that God never gave. And so you need to be sure that you understand the condition and accept only the Lord's condition. In the first century, some Jews tried to make some condition for the Gentile believers. Okay? They said that the Gentiles... The Gentiles had to accept circumcision in order to become a Christian and accept the Lord's invitation. But the Lord never made that condition. Acts chapter 15, verses 1 to verse 10. He never made that. So you want to make sure it's the Lord's invitation that you are meeting and not man. Colossians 2, verses 18 to 22. The second thing you need to remember is this. Do not allow someone to minimize the Lord's condition and say they're really not important, that the Lord did not make them. Well, the truth is this the Lord did make certain conditions, and that's borne out in the parable the Lord told in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 4, where he talks about a wedding feast. And there was a man who showed up at the wedding feast who did not have on a wedding garment. He wasn't properly clothed. And he was cast out. Why? Because he wasn't properly clothed. Matthew 22, verse 13. In the parable of the 10 versions that we read in Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13, five of those versions were not permitted to enter in the feast to see the to see the bridegroom. Why? Because they were not what? We know, they were not prepared. You see, the Lord is teaching that there are some conditions and we must meet those conditions to accept his invitation to his feast. And you must make sure that you meet the Lord's condition. I say that because there are some who will tell you baptism is not important. Even though the Lord says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, verse 16. There are those who will say, it's not important. You don't have to be baptized. Wrong. So you need to be sure that you understand the Lord's conditions and that you meet those conditions. Now one who accepts an invitation is expected to exhibit good behavior at that feast. Now, there are certain expectations for those who have accepted God's invitation. You see, you don't go into a dinner party and start having a food fight over the table in someone's dining room, you see. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't sit around complaining about the food that was prepared. you try to eat it as best you could. God expects certain things of us when we accept his invitation. He expects us to live a certain way after accepting the invitation to his feast. And we read in 1 Timothy 3, 15, these words. That you might know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now, the church is not the building here. It's the people, the ecclesia. The people who have been called out of sin, a group of people called out of sin into a new and living way in Christ Jesus. How called? By the gospel. Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 14. Now, what does God expect of his people now that you are a child of God? Well, God expects his people to live in such a way in such a way to bring glory and honor to Him by the way that you live your life. He called each of us to a holy living. First Peter 1, verse 15 and 16. But just as He who called you is be holy, is holy, be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy for I am holy. So you can see that there are certain expectations that God has of us and we ought to live in such a way we ought to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called Ephesians 4 1 and then we read in first in Philippians 1:27 that we let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ have you ever noticed that a host often want to provide Want to provide something good, something different to eat, something that is satisfying. They often say, I want to prepare something different for this meal. And so the hosts work hard in preparing something that's good and satisfying when someone comes to eat the meal with them. Now, God has provided something, something different, and something unique for us and for all mankind. He has provided blessings that can be found, that can't be found anywhere else. He has provided salvation in his Son. Acts 4 and verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. God has provided a gospel message that's different from every other thing that you can ever hear. The gospel message is distinctive. And so distinctive is it that you can't reject it and go to heaven. You see, you can't refuse the gospel and disbelieve the gospel of Christ and go to heaven. Again, Jesus said in Mark 16:16. 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now It is a heavenly feast we're talking about this morning. A heavenly feast that can be found nowhere else. A heavenly feast in Christ Jesus. If you're not a Christian this morning, I urge you to take the opportunity to respond to the Lord's invitation. I want you to know this morning that the church here at Forest Park loves you and we want you to go to heaven. And as God's people, we take a personal interest in your spiritual welfare and your spiritual well-being. I can think of no better way of demonstrating our love and our interest than to share with you the gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4, these words. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also receive, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the words which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. Here it is, verse 3 and 4. For I declare to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1-4. to Jesus was delivered up because of our suffering. And he was raised because of our justification. Romans 4 and verse 25. God has prepared A feast for us it is a heavenly feast wouldn't it be sad if God had made all the preparation to give his only son to die on the cross to make it possible then invites you to come and you reject it that would be very sad sad indeed you see living Jesus loved us dying he saved us Buried, he carried our sins far away. Rising, he justified. Not sometime, but freely and forever. And one day he's coming. He's coming back. Oh yes, what a glorious day. If you have never accepted the Lord's invitation, surely you will not want to reject it. You see, all things are now ready. Come to the feast. Come to Jesus, believe that He is the Christ, the Son of God. Acts eight and verse thirty-seven. Turning away from sin into repentance. Luke thirteen, verse three, and verse five. Confess him as the Christ. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. Be baptized for the remission of thy sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. Matthew 28, and 19. And remain faithful. Remain faithful unto death. Revelation 2 and verse 10. Will you respond this morning to the Lord's invitation? It may be that you are a Christian, but you you have lost your way and you have not conducted yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. And you would like the prayers of the congregation to to encourage you to get back on that straight and narrow pathway. If that's true on your part, make it right. Make it right this morning. All things are ready. Come to the feast. Come right now as we stand and sing the song of invitation.